Praise the Lord, everyone. The Lord is good, isn't he? Oh, come on, let's do that again. The Lord is good. Well, I am excited about being here. I am so thankful the turkey is almost finished. It's over. Whew, I've had so much turkey in the last couple of days. How about you? A lot of food. A lot of good things. It's uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and, and we, uh, I think everybody had a great time. I want to thank Alan and Jewel. Didn't they do an amazing job out on the entranceway? I mean, it was, it was really cold in here, and I went over there by the fire. It was, it was great. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning. I, I, I probably won't keep you that long, but I, maybe longer than I anticipate. I don't know. But I want to talk to you about the greatest story never told. Many of us have heard the story, the greatest story ever told. But do you realize that there is a story that, has, that is never told? I want to speak to you about that. I, want to, I think that most of us have heard the, uh, the story about the guy that uh, he was in a, in a flood area and there was a giant storm coming and, and they were evacuating the area and he was praying. He said, God, what do you, what do, you do? And God said, I'm going to deliver you. So the man was at his house and he was excited because God was going to deliver him. And this, uh, this truck came by with the National Guard and said, hey, get in the truck. We'll take you to safety. And he said, don't even worry about it. God's going to take care of me. So the truck left and a little while later the, the water started rising. So the guy had to to uh, go to the second store in his house and, and, and a guy in a boat came by and the guy in the boat said, hey, get in the boat and I'll, I'll take you to safety. And he said, don't even worry about it. God said he was going to take care of me. So guy in the boat left. And a little while longer, the water got higher and higher and the guy was on top of his house. And, and as he was on top of his house, a helicopter flew over and a guy with a megaphone and said, hey, I'm going to drop a ladder down to you. Climb up and I'll take you to safety. He said, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of me. Helicopter flew away. The water got higher and the man drowned. Got to heaven. And he said, Lord, Lord, you promised that you were going to save me. And here I am. And he said, well, I sent you a truck and a boat and a helicopter. I, I say that to say this. God uses people. I remember when, once when I was younger and, and I was in a, in, a, in a financial need and, and it was my father-in-law that came up to me and he didn't really know I had the need. He said, I just really feel impressed to give you this money and, and, and he was going to give me the money and I said, no, 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 I don't want charity. Uh, no, can't do that. And, and he said, listen, Jess, God uses people to bless other people. Have you ever noticed that God always uses people? God uses people to bless others. God uses people. Are you ready for this? God uses people to fulfill his promises. Think about that for a moment. You think, but God, is, he, he's God. He, he can fulfill his promises any way he wants, yes. But his promises are always fulfilled using people. God used Ananias to go speak to Saul 
of Tarsus because he wanted to use Saul to turn the world right side up for Christ. He used a, a little handmaiden to speak to her, to her, uh, the woman that was that it was that she was a slave to, to help bring deliverance from leprosy. It was it's those people. It's Esther that that when her uncle Mordecai said, "Perhaps you were born for such a time as this." That, that God used Esther to save a nation. God had promised Israel that they would always be a nation, and on the verge of extinction, God uses Esther to save them. God uses people to fulfill his promises. God's part is, is to unfold his plan. Our part is to trust him. This is what Proverbs 3, if you would go there, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 tells us this. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust means to have no cares. You ever watch little kids? They don't have a care in the world, do they? If they're hungry, they'll tell you. If they want to go outside, they'll tell you. They don't worry about anything. Their trust, their confidence is in whoever's around them. They don't worry about things. They don't get upset. They don't get frustrated. They don't have anxiety. It's just they trust and what the scripture is trying to tell us is that we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart. In any situation you have in life, we need to cast all of our care on him. That we trust in him. And I love the second part. He says, and don't lean on your own understanding. Don't prop yourself up with your intellect or what you can do. There's a lot of things in this life that, that God, uh, in his divine plan, is beyond our comprehension. It's not for us to understand why. It's just for us to be obedient and do. I'm going to say that again. There are many times in life that you don't understand why. You ever had, a, had a, a thought or you ever felt like the Lord was speaking to you to go tell somebody else a kind word? And you say, well, Lord, I don't even know why I'm thinking that. I don't even really like that person that much. And yet, the Lord speaks to you. And sometimes it's not for us to know why. It's just for us to do. It's Then he says... If in all your ways submit to him. In other words, know what he wants and just do it. And he will make your path straight. It's, it's that way with, with salvation. We 
give our lives to the Lord. We repent. We change our ways. There are some things you may wonder, well, why doesn't the Lord want me to do that? But you do it anyway. I think, I think one of the, the greatest things that, that I had to learn in, in that area of life was tithing. I didn't understand what tithing was. I didn't understand how it worked. Uh, and yet I saw it in Scripture, so I just did it. And I didn't understand the benefits of it until after I was obedient. And that's the way with most things with God. He will ask you to do something, and then when you trust in Him and you don't lean to your own reasoning and you don't lean to your own understanding, I kind of wonder what Gideon felt like when he had an army, and then this God brought him down to a little bit. And just a few men but he trusted in the Lord and when he trusted in the Lord the Lord brought deliverance because God had a plan and God was going to use people but God wanted the people he was going to use to trust in him trust in him with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding there are some things that we can understand but there are some circumstances in life there are some situations you may find yourself in and you wonder what is God doing here you ever feel that way what is God doing? And, and you try to figure it out. You try to rationalize it. You try to comprehend it. You try to analyze it. You scrutinize it. And you say, God, I don't quite get this. And, and sometimes God may speak to you and say, it's not for you to understand. It's for you to be obedient and do. Look what the promise he is, says. If you, if you lean on him, if, if you trust in him, if you're, with, if you're without a care and you're not leaning to your own understanding but you're doing and knowing what God wants you to do and you just do it, he will make your path straight. He will guide your steps in life. Why would God want to guide your steps in life. Can I tell you a secret? You're part of God's plan. You're part of the greatest story. You are, and I am, and anybody that is a child of God is part of the greatest story ever told. Because here we are celebrating in the Christmas season when the promised uh, Savior and the Savior has come, and, and we are recipients of the blessings of, of our Redeemer, and we get to celebrate and live in, in that story. The Scripture says we overcome by the blood of Christ and the word of our testimony. You know what your testimony is? It's when you trust in the Lord with all your heart and you didn't lean to your own understanding and you acknowledge God and everything and then God blessed you and lined out your life and when he lined out your life then you have a story to tell. Look what God did. We're celebrating we're the, the promised Savior and, and, and God promises the Savior through the entire Bible. In Genesis 3.15, here's Adam and Eve in the garden. They mess up. 
they falter, sin enters the world, death enters the world, and while God is, is pronouncing judgment on humanity at that time, he gives them a hope of a Savior. And in Genesis 3.15, he tells the woman that, that her child or her seed or her offspring is going to bruise the head of the serpent. The very first promise of a Savior was in Genesis 3.15. Then he goes on to say some 750 years before Christ was born. Think about this. 750 years before Christ was born, Isaiah, in, in a time of prosperity in Israel, says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus is, is told about his birth 750 years before it ever happens. Can you imagine that? Is God great or what? And then look at this. In 740 years before he, before he ever comes on the scene, God promises and God foretells about where he is going to be born. Not only that he's going to be born, but he says, I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to up the ante. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what my promise is. I'm going to tell you that he's going to be born and what he's going to be doing, but I am going to tell you where he's going to be born. Micah 5, 2. But as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be the ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. God tells the world... I'm going to have a savior 750 years before he's born. And then his contemporary, Isaiah's contemporary, Micah, says, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one up you, Isaiah. You're telling me that he's going to be born. I'm going to tell you where he's going to be born. In Bethlehem. Now think about that for a moment. This is a little side note. For those of some that, that doubt the, the validity of Scripture, can anybody else predict with 100% accuracy what's going to happen seven minutes from now? Seven hours from now? How about 750 years from now? And yet everything that was prophesied God fulfilled. And get this, even in Isaiah prophesies not only of the Messiah, but at that same time he prophesies of another person, a person that's going to go before the Messiah. He prophesies about John the Baptist. And this is what he says in Isaiah 43. He says, A voice is calling in the wilderness, Clear the way for the Lord. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. God not only foretells where Jesus is going to be born and when he's going to be born, but he also says there's going to be a forerunner that's going to come before him 
and, and, and he is going to go out and he is going to proclaim that the Messiah is coming. We serve a great God. Now, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke 1. I don't have it on the screen. I'm going to narrate through the whole thing. And, and I want you to take time to go through this because this is really amazing. This is an amazing story. It's, it's a story about Zechariah and Elizabeth, both in the lineage of, uh, of Jesus, both devout people. The Bible says that that Zechariah was a priest under Abijah. Now, when King David, when King David was, was king, he wasn't able to build the temple, but what he did do is he took all the priests and divided them up into 24 equal groups. Abijah was the eighth group. And what these 24 groups did is they served in the temple two times a year for two weeks, one week at a time. And then, and then during the big three feasts of the year, all the priests came and served because Israel or Jerusalem was just packed. The Bible says in Luke 1 that, that he was ministering in the temple now, Abijah was the eighth, and if you look at the, in this, I don't want to go too much, but if you look at the calendar, the, he was serving right here between either the last week of June, first week of July, or the last week of December, first week of January. That's when he would have been serving. And if you, if you figure that, that his son's going to be born nine months later, you can figure out about the time Jesus was born. But that's for another day. Zechariah is in the temple. The Bible says that Zechariah, his name member, means remembered of God. Elizabeth, his wife, means oath of God. Together, their names mean God remembers his oath. You think God is a God of detail? The Bible says in Luke 1 that they were both righteous and above reproach. They followed all the law. They were righteous. They loved God. They were devout. They believed the Scripture, and, and they adhered to the Scripture, and they had a life of serving God's people. They were devout. The Bible says that an angel appeared to him, Gabriel appears to him while he's serving in the temple. All the people are outside waiting for him to come out. He's in the, in the temple. And, and the Bible says that over by the altar of incense, Gabriel, the angel that stands in the presence of God, appears before him and speaks to him. And he says, I don't want you to be afraid. You know, the reason why the Bible says do not fear or do not be afraid, because to be honest, if any of us saw Gabriel standing the way he did, we would be terrified. I'm sure he was. But Gabriel speaks to him and he says, God has heard your petition. In other words, God knew that Zechariah and Elizabeth were old. Now, I, nothing against old people. 
<laughs> I'm getting there. They were beyond childbearing years. And they had prayed and prayed and petitioned God for a son to keep the lineage going. And the Bible says Elizabeth's womb was barren. She never had children. And here's the amazing part of this story. Zechariah is in the temple. He's serving in over here. If this is the altar of incense to the right of it, here, here is Gabriel. And he says, you're going to have a son. And he is going to bless Israel. And it's going to be amazing. And Zechariah, the righteous man, the holy man, the one that had dedicated his entire life to God, that was trusting in the Lord, leans on his own understanding. Are you with me? And this is what he says to Gabriel. He says, how can this be? We're too old. How would that be possible? You've got to catch this. Zechariah is being spoken to and having a conversation with Gabriel, the angel that stands in the presence of Almighty God. And he says, Almighty God said, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him John and he is going to go before the Messiah and prepare the way. And Zechariah says, I just don't see how that's going to happen. Can I ask you a question? You know I'm going to anyway, right? What's in your life that seems impossible that you feel like God said, I'm going to do this? And you're wondering how. Can I encourage you to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding? It sometimes is not for us to know how. Just to know that God said. There's a lot of things that, that I have seen in Scripture that I have been obedient to. And to be honest, they work, but I don't know how. And perhaps when I get to heaven, we'll understand. But until then, I'm going to trust in the Lord. And try not to lean to my own understanding. And here's, here's Zechariah. And, and Zechariah was resting in his own understanding. Because God's plan was above the comprehension of Zechariah. He couldn't get it. And, and here's what I would encourage you to do. Don't allow your own ability to limit God's plan for you. God has a plan that's above and beyond your limits and your ability. God has a plan that's exceedingly far above what you can do because God's, God's rule is to go out and fulfill the plan. Our, our role is just to be obedient to Him. 
Your insurmountable problems are not insurmountable. Here's a truth that I have found that's a continual ongoing process in every child of God. That there's always a situation that arises in your life where you have to trust the Lord. There's always going to be a situation and when you get victory over one, another one's going to come. And it's not because God hates you. It's because God is getting you and I to trust in Him. To trust in the Lord. To have no cares. When the Lord says it's going to be good, we just say it's going to be good. In the face of everything else. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Zechariah, I know that you're older. I know that your wife is older. I know it's beyond the time that, that, that you can have children, that your wife can, can, can conceive. But it may be impossible with you, but with God, all things are possible. And get this, God works in his own time. If Zechariah would have had a son prior to that, his timing would have been off. Because he needed John the Baptist to go six months, be six months older than Jesus and start his ministry right before Jesus, not 20 years before. God had a plan for Zechariah and Elizabeth. God had a plan for them that their son was going to be born at the right time because he had foreshadowed that he had promised that way back in Isaiah 750 years prior. God said he is going to be born and he is going to go before the Messiah and he didn't want him to go 10 years or 15 years or 20 years or even 5 years ahead. God was saying to Zechariah and Elizabeth in my time you are going to have a son but you just have to trust me Zechariah and Elizabeth had no idea that they were part of the greatest story ever told but they doubted and you know what Gabriel did Gabriel said Zechariah your wife will conceive but because you doubted, you will not be able to speak until after he is born. And for nine months, Zechariah could not speak. Zechariah, his son, was prophesied about 750 years before. His son is one an integral part of the greatest story ever told. But it was never told by Zechariah because he couldn't speak of it because he doubted and trusted in his own understanding. Have you ever been 
through a situation in your life where God is wanting you to trust him and then you doubt and then you cry and then you whine and then you beg and then you throw a temper tantrum and then you go pout in the corner and you do all of these things to get God's attention and then God delivers you after you have been resting on your own understanding and you have no voice to declare the goodness of God you can be thankful but those times that God says I'm going to do this and you stand and say yes I believe in spite of the opposition in spite of everything else you stand and when you trust in the Lord with everything in you and you don't lean to your own understanding you don't allow your, your own reasoning to get in the way of the promises of God and when, you, and when you stand firm and God delivers you can have a voice and say look what God has done but the reason why Zechariah could not proclaim, I'm part of the greatest story ever told, was because he doubted that God was able. Is God able to deliver you? Is God, well, well, Pastor, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know about Zechariah, but he's in Scripture. So certainly God can take care of him, but what about me? You're in scripture too. We're going to find out in just a moment. Zechariah was unable to speak for lack of trust. Salvation has come to us. We are part of the greatest story ever told. Who has a Bible here? Who has a Bible? Annalena, turn to Acts chapter 29. Read Acts chapter 29, verse 1 for me. I'm going to show you that you're in the scripture. What do you mean? There's no Acts 29. Yes, there is. Okay. Look around you. We're living Acts 29. Acts 29 has not been completely written. And God has promised a victorious church. God has promised that there are going to be saints that are going to be translated. God has promised a kingdom for that's forever and ever and ever. And right now, you and I, are living in the greatest time that you could ever live because God has chosen to place you here for such a time as this because we are living out the prophecy of the church of the living God and you and I are the church and the only thing we have to do is trust in the Lord don't lean to our own understanding and when the scripture says go and proclaim the word of God go and proclaim it when God says, love your neighbor, just love your neighbor. You don't have to understand why. 
The secret is, once you start doing it, then the understanding kind of comes because, are you ready for this? Obedience to the Lord changes our heart. Submission to His will changes us. We're part of the greatest story ever told, you and I, and we get to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. Don't allow uh, lack of trust or doubt or disbelief to keep you from sharing what God is doing in your life. So let me ask you, uh, would you stand with me? What, What family member do you need to trust in the Lord for? What financial situation do you need to say, God, this is yours? Whose salvation are you looking for the Lord to bring? What about your family, your, 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 your family nucleus? You say, well, it's just not functioning the way I want it to function. It's not God-honoring. Are you trusting in the Lord? Are you leaning on your own understanding on how to fix it? Or are you trusting in the Lord? Are you trusting in the Word of God? I'm not saying don't do anything. But I am saying hear from the Lord and be obedient to Him and see what God will do. You are part of the greatest story ever told. But it will never be told if you first don't trust in Him. Would you pray with me?